<laughs> well, it's my turn this week to get to share stories uh, from Ethiopia. I, I gave, thank you, Rory, gave uh, opportunity to a couple of people last week to share a little bit about their experience, and today is it's my turn. I've, I've told quite a few people that uh, I have never been to a place where the gospel of Jesus Christ is like an uncontrolled wildfire. It, it, we see on the news when there's fires up in the mountains that it's 0% contained or whatever percent. Friends, I'm telling you, the gospel of Jesus Christ is out of control in the southern part of, of Ethiopia. Praise God. <clears throat> I mentioned to our church, uh, I think about a month ago, that I recently have been uh, elected to the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, their board of trustees. And uh, I found out this week where I was, what part of the world I was going to be assigned to. They've, they've divided the world up into different regions and people groups around the world. And it's just funny how God is weaving things together. And as you might guess, uh, I have been assigned to the sub-Saharan peoples of Africa. Now, you may not know where that is. Let me point it out. You see the real yellow part at the top of Africa? That's the Sahara Desert. The green part south of that is the sub-Saharan peoples of Africa. Included in that area is Ethiopia, where our church and a number of people have already begun to fall in love with the people of the southern part of Ethiopia. Let me, let me break it down a little bit more. Uh, you can see in the top left, maybe, I was hoping that this would show up a little clearer. In the top left in the little box is the country of Ethiopia. The green part is what's known as the, as Aromia. The people in this green section speak Aromo. Now in the very bottom of that green section is Borena, Borena. The people of Borena, that's where we went. You probably cannot read that word in that section, but that little black line from where you're sitting in the furthest part down is about where the city of Yabello is located, where our team went, and that was kind of our headquarters for the week. We spent time there, and uh, upon our arrival, we drove straight to the city government offices. We were welcomed there by the governor of uh, the Barena portion of Aromia. Now, let me see if I can put it in our language. That green section, go back one slide, John. The green section, uh, we might call that the deep south. I mean, it's a region, the northeast. Uh, Let's see here, Central Standard Time, uh, Mountain Standard, just, it's like a section of the country. Now, Berena, that little part, we would say that's Georgia, if I were referring to the Deep South, okay? And it's about, I'm guessing it's about that big, 
I mean, this is a huge area. We were greeted when we got to Yabello, the governor of Barena. That's him in the middle between Pastor Indeshaw and myself. And he, we presented him gifts, and, and then he proceeded to present us gifts, welcoming us to uh, his, his region. He is the governor of that whole Barena region. Big dog, big guy. And this picture that uh, he gave, one for our church and one for the Ethiopian Evangelical Church of Denver, is of the, the prior... Um, I'm going to say the word president, but it's not the right word, uh, of, of Aromia on the left and then the current president on the right. It was a nice gift, but then the, the, the better gift that, well, I say better. He gave us another gift. Each person on the team was given a traditional outfit from the Barana people. Here is Jerry being... Uh, dressed in this, they, they have a, a scarf and they wrap it around your head. They've already put it on his head. And then this giant white sheet uh, and, and wrapped it around and he's getting it. And then the women uh, on our team all got uh, this outfit, this beautiful garment. It's just really pretty fab- fabric and and uh, Anna was kind of the representative to show us how to put that on. So she's, she's there, and, and the both of them posed with the, the uh, governor. But then Catherine and I had our picture taken out in front of the government offices. And if you didn't know us, you would think we were actually from Ethiopia. I mean, we would <laughs> fit right in. We just blend right into the, to the people there. Uh, her, Catherine said... I don't think I've ever had my blonde hair fondled as much as I did while I was, while I was there in those villages. Uh, but we were welcomed uh, by this, this governor. And while we were in his office, uh, he mentioned some needs that they have in the Barana region of Ethiopia. The first thing he mentioned was the gospel of Jesus Christ. He confessed that he was a follower of Jesus right off the bat, man. He let us know. And, and he said, what the people of Borena need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we welcome you. We welcome your message, what you're doing here. We're glad you're here. Bring it. We kind of looked around the room at ourselves and did this politician just say that he wanted Jesus to be spread in his region? Yes. It's the number one thing he mentioned, the needs of of the Barana area. The second thing he said was education. Our kids need education. I mean, that's really the, the, the thing that sparked this whole trip was education for the missionaries and evangelists in the area. I mean, that was kind of the, the original thrust was education, theological education for these missionaries. But this governor, this politician said, our children need education. We're not going to come out of this socioeconomic spot that we're in, cultural spot that we're in, without education. We need education. And I find it interesting that I think five people on our team are in the education profession. (laughs) We have a seminary director and professor. We have 
Tom, who works with hmm, international students at Denver University, University of Denver. We have two school teachers. Uh, I, I mean, so just, man, I, I sat back and I watched things start and get lined up, that God is at work, not just there, but I believe God is at work here putting things together, his purpose, his plan, to be more than mission-minded, but to be mission I'm still looking for that word. A few of you gave me some good ideas this last week. Missions committed, missions focused, missions, uh, man, we're still looking for it. You guys, come on, church. Join in this with me that we want to be more than mindful about going and telling. We want to be. Yeah, shoot me those in the email because I didn't understand a word you said. You know, I told you that uh, the, the gospel is, is a, it's a runaway train. It's a wildfire in that area of Ethiopia. But that's not to say that there's not hindrances to the gospel. I would say the number one hindrance that, I, that I'm aware of and, and kind of noticed is uh, the number one hindrance would be from the Orthodox uh, Christians, the, the, um, the Coptic Christians. They're more aggressive towards evangelicals than even the Muslims in the area. Because we both talk about the same Jesus. But they are so entrenched, so entrenched in tradition, in orthodox, the way things have to be done. Uh, and, and to find freedom in Christ is just, man, there's, there's opposition there. The Muslim faith is another hindrance to the gospel. They're pouring money left and right into school buildings and into mosques in these areas. And you know as well as I do, money draws people, especially in a third world setting. So the Muslim faith is another one. And tribal rituals, tribal traditions out in these villages with witch doctors and their local village, uh, yeah, I don't know another word other than witch doctors. So uh, that is another hindrance. But I'm telling you, where the gospel is preached, where the gospel is spread, people are coming to the Lord like crazy. It's, it's, it's wonderful to see. I've recently been reading through the book of Acts with a little different perspective. And I was reminded uh, of, one of one of the books that I had to read in seminary called The Spontaneous Expansion of the Church by Roland Allen. In his book, he, he mentions a few things that he has noted in the book of Acts that were kind of the reason that the church just exploded, man. It just, it just, it was like a wildfire out of control. And so today I want to mention a f- these few things that I noticed uh, in his book, and I think we will find application for ourselves, even here in Centennial, Aurora, Colorado. We might even find application in our own personal lives. One of the things that I noticed <clears throat> in the book was that he points out is one of the reasons that the church just expanded at a, at a rapid rate was that there was a contrast in people's lives. From who they used to be to who they are, or who they've become since giving their life to Christ. I mean, there was a contrast. There was a difference in the way they used to live and the way they live now. 
And, and uh, you can see as well as I can that there's immediate personal application to me and to you. Now let's think about your work setting for just a second. I wonder if the people in your work setting can tell a difference in who you are because you know Jesus Christ. Roland Allen says that, that one of the reasons that the church exploded is that people could see lives change. There was a contrast between who they were and who they are now. I want to read to you uh, a passage that, that you're probably familiar with. It's in Acts chapter 2. I, need, I want you to turn there with me, if you will. I'm going to read verses 42 through 47, and, and we can just see this, this body of believers, this this group of people that were living differently. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, God's word says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Now listen, let's stop there for a second. Uh, uh, these missionaries that are out there in the field, and by the way, our our church sponsors, nine of them, I'll get back to that in just a second, I've got a slide for you, but uh, these, these missionaries, on the last day of our training that Steve and I did with these missionaries and evangelists, one of the questions we asked them was, how do you prepare your sermon each week? What do you do to get ready to preach to your, to your church? And we were, we were looking for their methodology and study and preparation and how they come up with an outline. You know, I mean, that's kind of what we were looking to see what they did to prepare. And I think Steve and I both, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think both of us assumed that they preached a Sunday morning sermon and maybe a Wednesday night. Steve, am I close? Am I speaking? Yeah. And we were asking, how do you guys get ready? What do you do? And one of them that his name was Dido, he, he spoke up and was kind of the spokesman for all 60 of them. And he says, he says, we preach almost every night of the week. We, our, our villages come together every night of the week. We worship and we open God's word and it is divided every night of the week. And I, I think Steve and I both were like, Oh, that changes things. So what do you teach? What do you, how do you prepare? And they said, they said, we teach what we've heard. We teach what some of us have read, because not all of them could read. They're trusting in the Holy Spirit, his revelation through what they've heard from other pastors. So for us to come... And, and teach through the book of 2 Timothy. Guys, I'm telling you, they were a sponge. Just soaking up because you could just see it. They're, oh, I'm teaching that. Mm. God's word is good for teaching, rebuking, correct. Mm, I'm teaching that. <laughs> they teach what they've heard. And so uh, they devoted themselves, something about the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. These missionaries and evangelists, man, teaching God's word. And the fellowship, keep going. And to the breaking of bread and prayers. We saw it over and over in those villages, verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the, through the apostles. Steve mentioned last week the story of the, the Muslim cleric. 
who not only was, was the, uh, I'm going to use the word that we're familiar with, was the pastor of one of the mosques, but he had started six other mosques. He was an overseer of seven mosques in this, this area. And, and that day that he, his wife was sick almost to death, and, <coughs> excuse me, and someone came to him and said, your wife is up eating. He said, what happened? <coughs> excuse me, it's Ethiopia dust coming out. Uh, he said, some children came and prayed for my wife. Some Christian children came and prayed for my wife. And she was healed. He got home and said, honey, probably didn't say honey, but anyway, he said, listen, if you want to believe in Jesus, you believe in Jesus. You do that. But I can't because I'm, I'm a pastor over this mosque and these seven others. I can't. I'm a Muslim. And then he got sick. To the point that he couldn't walk. And a man came and put him on his donkey. Took him to a Christian service. Thank you so much. Took him to a Christian service. They prayed over him. He was healed. He closed down his mosque and all six others. Closed them. Now, now listen. I, I got to tell you this. While he was sharing this testimony in, in this village, this is in front of... of this, this village church service. Catherine and I were sitting, they had put us in chairs like right behind the pulpit. And we, we were sitting right here and he was just going back and forth right here. Are y'all with me? Every once in a while he would turn his face this way and all I could see was this smile on his face. Well, it was grinning ear to ear. The whole time, he was just back and forth. And he was just telling his story. And he was just going the whole time. And hey, we're, and he pointed to the guy. He says, come up here. And the guy walks to the front. He said, this is the guy that put me on his donkey. Validating the story that he had just, his testimony. He said, there's a group right there. Y'all come up here. I think six or eight people came to the front that used to sit under his teaching in the mosque who had now given their heart to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Validating these awes, these wonders, these miraculous things that God was doing. Guys, I'm telling you, we watched and we got to see Acts chapter 2 happening. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, one of the things that he pointed out in this book the people's lives were different. There was a contrast between who they were and who they are. And I wonder if that can be said of me and if that can be said of you. The people I'm around in my neighborhood, they didn't know me before I knew Christ, but I wonder if they can see Christ in me today. Can your neighbors see Christ in you? One of the people that uh, 
used to mentor me, he, he made a statement one time about what does your church smell like? When a guest walks into your church, what does it smell like? And does it have the aroma of God? And I ask the same question about my life and your life. Does my life smell like God? When you walk up and down the halls of your school starting next week, I think, it already started. Hey, moms and dads, can you just hear the praises, the glorious <laughs> praises coming from... Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, what, what are your friends in the hallway? What aroma is coming off of your life? And there's something different about those guys. In your neighborhood, in the workplace... One of the things that he points out is that people's lives are different. It's different. The first village, Steve mentioned this story as well. I just want to reiterate it. The first village that we went to, we were always welcomed by the village elders. They sat us, our team, they sat us in the front of each one of these areas that the service was going on and and then the elders would come up, and they would, each one, one by one, welcome us. We're thankful that you're here. We're thankful that you have traveled around the world, and for some reason, you have decided to come out here? Why would anyone come out here? Berena is the forgotten people of Ethiopia. Our villages are the forgotten people of the forgotten people. We're thankful that you came out here to us. Meet elder after elder thanked us for coming. In the very first village, the last guy, I got a picture of him here. He's sitting right beside Anita. Uh, this is after the service. This is the only picture I have of the guy. Uh, he's the one yeah, right next to Anita there. You, it's hard to see the, the, just the stone-cold look on his face. But he was the last elder to greet us that evening, and his first words he said, I'm not a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm not. But there's a difference in my village since the gospel of Jesus came to my village. It is my prayer, it is my dream, it is my vision that Centennial and Aurora would be different because the gospel of Jesus Christ is present and it is oozing out of the people of this church. We just smell like God. I'm saying we're not perfect. This church is not perfect. It's not perfect because you're in it. Can I get an amen? Amen. Should I leave that one in my notes, Jerry? I was kind of iffy response there, man. I wasn't sure about that response. It's not perfect because I'm in it. Now, you better back off on that. I don't know who that was. but But I'm going to tell you something. We need to be a people that's striving to be more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. More like him tomorrow than we were today. That we smell, we put off the aroma of God every day to those people around us. One of the things he pointed out 
uh, about this spontaneous expansion of the church is that people were different. They were just different. Second thing that he points out in his book is that the people of the church took it upon themselves to go out and share the gospel. They did not sit back and rely upon the apostles to be the only ones to share the gospel. They went out, man. They all took the responsibility to tell the good news of Jesus Christ to those people around them. Now, we can immediately see the personal application. And is that true of me? Is that true of you? I have sitting on my desk in my home office uh, framed up my goals for this year. Five personal goals for this year. One of those five goals is to engage in two gospel conversations each week. I wish I could tell you I was perfect in that. I'm not. It hasn't happened every week. But guys, my head is on a swivel. My eyes are peeled. I'm looking for opportunities every chance I get. Standing in Restaurant Depot the other day, I look across the aisle at the next person that uh, was checking out, had Ethiopia on his shirt, and on his card he had rice, he had onions. I said, what's that for? He said, well, I own a restaurant and a a grocery store. I said, your church says Ethiopia. You from Ethiopia? He said, "I'm I'm from Ethiopia. I said, salam. He goes, salam. <laughs> I said, I just, we just got back. Jerry perked up. He jumped in over there. Man, we just got back from Ethiopia. I said, where are you from in Ethiopia? Addis Ababa. And then I'm looking for opportunities. He's like, why did you go? I said, we were working with missionaries and evangelists down there, man. We were telling them about God. And, and I said, do you know Pastor Indeshaw? He goes, of course I know Pastor Indeshaw. Everybody knows Pastor Indeshaw. <laughs> I'm just looking for opportunities to tell people the good news. Is that true of me? Is that true of you? Everywhere I go, man, I I want to have the opportunity to tell someone of the great love of Jesus Christ. One of the things that Roland Allen points out about the spontaneous growth of the church is that just the members of the church took it upon themselves to go and share the gospel. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 21, it says when they go to Antioch, it says some of them, oh, let me just let me read it to you. I'll get there, hold on. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 21. And those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled far, as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Did you catch that? At this point, remember, Stephen got stoned, persecution broke out, and all the Christians there in Jerusalem went, oh, honey, pack your bags, we're out of here. And off they go. And some of them traveled to all these places, but the only people they were telling the good news to was, was the Jews. Verse 20. But there were some of them, and that's all we know about them, But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. See, there were people in the church. They didn't wait on the pastors to do it. There were people in the church that said, man, I I just got to tell people. I don't care who you are. Jesus loves, and it even goes to you. And it goes to you, too. And those people in our American culture, it even goes to them. Even people that sit on the other side of the political aisle from you, it even goes to them. 
even those who have made lifestyle choices that are different from me and you, God's love extends to them. And we will be a church that understands that and practices that, that God's love goes to everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes that that only those Republicans that believe in him, <laughs> huh, come on. We laugh at that. Let's not practice that. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. One of the reasons that we saw an, an explosive expansion of the church was that everybody took on the responsibility to tell the good news of Jesus. Let's, let's make sure that's true of me and of you. Deal? Deal? Third thing that he mentions is church planting. That they started churches. I mean, you can look at Paul's writings. Let's name some of Paul's letters that he wrote to church plants. Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. Are, are you following me? Man, they, they didn't see it as, well, hold on, this is our neighborhood. We, we don't want another church down the street because then some of our people may go down to that church and we don't really want that. No, there's none of that. They saw there was value in, in starting new works because now there's another hub for people to live out a contrasted, a different life that looks different from everybody else. That they begin living, there's a whole new hub for people to live out this love that is within them, this aroma of God that is in them. They found value in starting new works. I don't know if, I think you're aware of this church. I, I, I've been known not to communicate real well at times, but we are partnering with the Ethiopian church. We're in the process of them becoming a church plant. There are places around our city that need new works. They are. There's no church close by. There are some people that would never walk into a building like this, ever. You couldn't drag them in. But man, if I got invited to somebody's house on a Thursday night and was just able to do life together, might get them there. And I hope that we will begin praying together as a church, that we will find solidarity, we will find a oneness of mission, a oneness of, of mind, that we are not only not opposed, but we are intentional about starting new works. That is not something that has been a part of, of my leadership and my direction, but it is something that I'm under great conviction about. Will you begin praying with me about that? Who knows? Maybe God may be doing something in you to start a new work. Huh? I think that's the quietest this room's ever been. <laughs> hmm. 
I want to point out the, the evangelists and pastors that our church sponsors. Monthly, our budget, we sponsor five evangelists and missionaries in the Borena region. There are four others that will be in this picture that there are individuals in our church that have said, I want to sponsor one personally. This is a picture of the nine church planner evangelists that Community of Grace sponsors. I was made aware while we were there that there's 10 more that have been trained and are sitting and waiting, waiting on funding. Now let me make you aware of this also. To fund a pastor in the Borena region, to pay a full-time salary for him is $50 a month. What is that? Six Starbucks drinks? <laughs> that might be doable for you. God may, may have it on your heart right now. Joel, sign me up. I want in. I would love to be able to call Pastor Indeshaw this coming week and say, I got them covered. I have 10 families in our church that say, we can do $50 a month. I want in. But I need you to put eyes on and begin praying for these guys right here. The one on the, in the bright green shirt. Um, <clears throat> I'll close with this. No, I won't. I've got one more thing. Uh, he and another gentleman on the other side of Steve, my parents, uh, sponsor them. And I took a picture of my mom and dad and put it in their hands, one for each of them, put it in their hands, and read a letter that my parents wrote to them about how they've been praying for them, will continue to pray for them. And all, now remember, there's 60 of these guys. When I handed these pictures to them, they were swamped, looking to see what it is. The next village we went to, I put a video online on Facebook of some dancing. I don't know if any of you saw that, but anyway. That night before we left, the tall gentleman in the green shirt came up to me and with tears in his eyes said, you gave me a picture of your family yesterday, and you'll never know. How much that means to me that they pray for me <laughs> church I want us to be more than mission minded <laughs> I can't I can't ignore that anymore. I mean, that's just, it's just funny. <laughs> Somebody needs to talk to Kim here in a little bit. <laughs> More than mission-minded. Mission, mission mm. All right. I finished with this. When I was in school a long time ago, I'm talking about high school, Science class, I, turned, I learned of two different forces. Centrifugal force and centripetal force. How about that? Hmm? I was a PE major and I remembered that. <laughs> centrifugal force, 
is what? Like a merry-go-round. Most dangerous playground equipment ever known to man. You don't see them anymore. Yeah, you guys, that's what fun used to look like, old school. All right? <coughs> Centrifugal force means when it gets going fast, it throws you out, right? Okay. Centripetal force is like gravity, it pulls to the middle. In the Old Testament, centripetal force was well engaged. People came to the temple. People were drawn to the tabernacle. You come here, you come to the temple, you're drawn there. We have festivals every year, and you come centripetal. And some would say in the New Testament, it's just the opposite, centrifugal. You go, go. And I simply want to suggest that I don't think it's just one or the other. Church, it is my desire, it's my goal, it's my vision for our church to be both. That you and I live such a life that people look at it and they go, what is in you that makes you so different? I'm drawn to that aroma that is in your life, that smell, that, that whatever that is in you that, that is, I want that. That you and I, because of the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us, would live a life that is, it draws people to him. But we also be a people that go, that we go and tell. Do you realize that God will guide your steps if you're willing to move your feet? And he'll guide your words if you're willing to open your mouth. So let's get walking and let's get talking. Deal? Deal. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for <clears throat> the example that we see in Acts of your church. And the people of those church, the, of those churches, the people that made up those bodies and their willingness to go and, and to share. Lord, I pray that you would lay upon our hearts today a passion for the lost world around us. That you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. And that is people that don't know you. Lord, I pray for our students who are just beginning this school year. That they would have a heart that... that that seeks out those other students that don't know you. That they would be willing to, to go towards those that are lonely. That they would take up for those who can't take up for themselves. That they would speak the truth of the gospel when that opportunity provides itself. Lord, I lift up every person in this room that is in a workplace that is hostile towards the gospel. We know that when there is hostility, when there is, when there is uh, hindrances to the gospel, that, Lord, that, that, is, that is the environment that it can't stop the good news of Jesus, the love of God. It can't stop it. It's when the world puts no pressure on Christians that the gospel slows down. Lord, I lift up our country that is experiencing no difficulty when it comes to the gospel. Pray that we would be bold witnesses of yours.
Lord, I look forward to the great things that you're going to do in these coming days. I look forward to this afternoon celebrating uh, those that are going public with their faith. You're so good to us, God. Bless every person that is here. In Jesus' name.